turning your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12 within God's Word. Exodus chapter 12 this morning. And as you turn to Exodus chapter 12, I ask you a question. Who is your favorite, favorite, favorite movie hero? Who is your favorite movie hero? I'm not going to ask you just to tell me. I'm going to ask you to applause this morning. I'm going to put the pictures of seven movie heroes up on the screen. We have new technology here at the church. It's called an applause, an applause meter. We will gauge the applause of each response. Did you hear me? An applause meter. J.D., raise your hand, J.D. This is our applause meter right down here. Okay, he's going to tell me what movie hero gets the greatest applause. Are you ready? Number one, number one, Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones. Number two, Daniel Craig as James Bond. Number three, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan the Barbarian. Number four, Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible. Number five, wait till I call it out, Sylvester Stallone as Rambo. I have a pastoral associate that imagines himself as Rambo. That's where you were hearing it from. Number six, he's earned the most money of any actor in 2016. Dwayne Johnson as Scorpion King. And then the Cowboy of Cowboys. All-American as Apple Pie and Chevrolet. Put it up on the screen, John Wayne. Heroes, heroes. Last several Sundays I've been teaching and ministering on heroes. Dad, I want you to know how to be a hero greater than anything that is fabricated, manufactured, or fictionalized on the screen. I'm talking about reality. I, I want to teach to you this morning, share with you, reveal to you how to be a hero, yea, more than a hero, a superhero before God. And, 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 and gals, before you check out on me mentally, this is a word for you too. Just because uh, this is Father's Day doesn't mean there isn't something in here for you as well. This is a word to all this morning, uh, a faith-building message that I've entitled Super Dad. Super Dad. We are believing at Lakeside that we're going to have super dads for the glory of God. Let me pray over you right now. Father, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that this will not be, God, a ritual or a dry exercise or a lecture. But that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit-inspired word would penetrate our hearts. Grant us ears to hear 
and hearts to receive. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. And everyone together would say, Amen. Amen. Write it down. The place was Egypt. The time was 3,500 years ago. And God was about to reveal his plan to fathers, to fathers, how to be super dads. To be super dads. You see, millions of Jews were in slavery, in bondage for generations in Egypt. And even after God had sent nine miraculous plagues, Pharaoh was still hardening his heart and saying, I will not let the people go. That was okay with God because he had one final card to play. He had a rescue plan, a deliverance plan, his Passover plan that he was about to initiate and pivotal to God's Passover plan. Think of it. The key to God's plan were dads, fathers. Read with me in Exodus chapter 12, verse 3. Tell the whole community of Israel, this is God speaking, that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. On the evening of the fourteenth day of this month, all these lambs shall be killed. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses, painting their doorways with lamb's blood. How distasteful, how gross. Why? Verse 23 explains, When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe and will what? Pass over that doorway and he will not permit the destroyer. Who's the destroyer? Satan, to enter your houses and strike you down. Dads, I'm going to give you a prescription on how to keep the enemy from your front door this morning. How to protect your homes. You see, God's Passover plan was not just for the freedom of his people. His Passover plan was a revelation of his expectations of every father every dad, on how to be a super dad. I want to give you seven dynamics, seven powerful principles, seven powerful dad principles this morning. Write it down, if you would, with me, all seven. You see, super dads are spiritual pace setters. God was calling upon these Passover dads to exercise spiritual leadership in their homes. Before there were ever preachers, pastors, or priests, prophets, or patriarchs, God called each father to be a spiritual pace setter. Spiritual pace setting leadership is like Joshua who stood before the nation of Israel who was already caving in and compromising to idol worship. Joshua who stood before the nation and he didn't consult his wife. He didn't take a vote from his children. He took his stand and said, As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
That's pace-setting leadership. That's spiritual leadership. That's a man's number one fulfillment in this life. I am convinced, I submit to you, the number one reason for our nation's moral and spiritual meltdown is because of men who no longer have chess. They're wimps instead of men. Let me take a real quick bunny trail here. Conservatism now controls the Congress, the Senate, and the White House. And yet, we have those in play that want status quo, business as usual. And we need to send a message to Washington to say, let's make hay while the sun shines. Men act like men. Stop worrying about whether or not you're going to be voted into office in 2018 and pass the policies that have been proposed. That's leadership. That's being a man. When it comes to your home and my home, guys, I want you to be reminded your family cannot, cannot, cannot follow a parked car. Some men imagine that God's plan for their lives is to sit in the lazy boy, the recliner, watching endless football games while, while wifey serves them uh, potato chips and Coca-Cola. This is not what the business of being a spiritual pace setter is all about. It might be being a couch potato, but not being a spiritual leader in your home. A wife went to her doctor and said, Doctor, I have a problem. Every time I delineate and enumerate my husband's shortcomings, he, 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 he blows a fuse, he loses his temper, and it's so dreadful in my home, it scares me. He said, I have a cure for that. She said, what? I'm desperate. I want to know about it. He said, I want you... Each and every time you have that urge, I want you to swallow a mouthful of water and just swish it, swish it, swish it in your mouth. Two weeks later, she came back and she said, Duck! It's a miracle! What is it in the water that has brought such peace and harmony and wholeness to our home? He said, The water has nothing to do with it. Keeping your mouth shut. That's the trick of it. <laughs> you wives, you call me for endless counseling sessions complaining to me about your husband's lack of spiritual leadership in the home, in the marriage. When was the last time you encouraged his leadership? You were called by God to be his number one cheerleader. Anytime you see the least little sign of decisiveness, especially godly leadership, fan the flames, cheer him on, encourage him. Ephesians 5.33 says, respect your husbands. Respect your husbands. It's clear in that. And husbands, you're called by God to lead the home in a walk with God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1, children obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. This is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on this earth. Are you 41 years old and still living at home? 
you better, you better, you better follow the rules that dad has set down in the home and honor him, honor your mother, watch what you say, and be obedient if you're living under their roof. Are you 41 years of age and living outside the home? Then you better honor your father, honor your mother, respect them as unto the Lord. I don't care if you agree with them or not. That's not the issue. You're called to respect. You're called to love. You're called to honor. When I was even a teenager, I hated the rules that my dad laid down because I have this meek and mild personality and I didn't want to come under. I was smart enough intellectually. I already knew the Bible well enough. I knew this promise from my Sunday school teacher, and I thought, I don't agree with him, but I'm going to be obedient to him because I want to have a long life and a good life. I want to be under God's favor, not his disfavor. Do you see that there? But God has a word for fathers, too. Verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children. You're not to provoke your children. You're to promote your children. Give them a sense of self-worth, self-esteem. Build them up. Don't flatter them. Compliment them. Call them to higher ground in Christ Jesus, your Lord. The scripture goes on, rather bring them up, especially with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. What's the best way to do that? Three boys, three boys, three boys from the neighborhood were arguing in the backyard on whose dad was the greatest. It just so happened that uh, the father of the last boy was listening in through the screen window. He heard the first boy in the neighborhood say, hey, my dad goes out with the city mayor every week for lunch. And the boys went, wow. The other boy, not to be outdone, said, hey, my dad went to a banquet once and he shook hands with the, the governor of the state of Michigan. And all the boys went, wow. The father listened with breathless expectation. He thought, I don't know anybody famous. What, what is my little Johnny going to say? And, and, and little Johnny hesitated, but then all of a sudden he perked up and he said, your dad might know the mayor and your dad might know the governor, but my dad knows God. <laughs> my dad knows God. My dad knows God. Does your child know it? Does your teenager know it? By what you say and what you do, my dad knows God. This is spiritual pace setting. I'm, I'm spending most of my time on this point because it's the most valuable one of all. Success in this area is a man's most vital fulfillment. Your children need it. Your wife is craving it. The demons of hell will do their best to prevent it, but God will empower it through his Holy Spirit if you'll only make a decision to do it. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. Oh, come on. This is the third service. There we go. You got me worried. Amen. Steve Addy should be the only one on drugs this morning. Not the rest of you. My, my. 
Write it down. Super dads are provisionary. Those Passover dads, those Passover dads, they were pro-visionary. They looked ahead. They expected God's protection. They expected God's blessing. They expected God's deliverance and victory because they trusted and obeyed the word of the Lord. Husband, father, are you pro-visionary? That means, do you have the ability, are you faithful in planning ahead? I used to watch that old cowboy TV show with my grandmother. Her favorite show, it was the cowboy soap opera of the 60s, Wagon Train. Wagon Train. And Wagon Train had a scout that was always scouting ahead, looking for Indians and robbers and, and, and where the next water well uh, or oasis was in the Wild West. Sir, father, dad, that responsibility is yours. Are you planning ahead for the family finances? Are you planning ahead for your kids' education? Are you planning ahead in your career? Are you planning ahead for retirement? Are you planning ahead for death? Don't live in denial. All of those things will happen. Are you pro-visionary? But there's something, there's something, there's something even more important here. Dad, are, are, are you a thermometer in the home or a thermostat? There's one thing that uh, the, is holy, holy, holy ground. It is sacred. Everybody knows they're not to touch it in my house. And that is the thermostat. That's the thermostat. Only dad has the intellectual ability to control the programming of the thermostat. I came into the house yesterday, and if you had poured a glass of water, it would have turned into ice cubes instantly. Someone had turned the thermostat down. That is the unpardonable, blasphemous, heathenistic, paganistic sin. Don't you realize there's money going out the window? Turn on a fan. Sit in a bath of water. Think cool thoughts. I'm seeing snowflakes in the air in the family room. Dad. A thermostat controls and directs the environment. A thermometer reflects the environment. Are you a thermometer or a thermostat when it comes to expectation? Some dads only expect the worst, while other dads only expect the best. When you're a man of God, when you're a super dad in God's eyes, you do not walk uh, by doubt. You don't walk by despair. You don't walk by discouragement or depression or a defeatist attitude. You expect the best is yet to come in Christ Jesus. Hear me in this. It takes just as much effort 
to expect the worst as it does the best. And vice versa. Why not expect the best? Especially since you are a born-again, blood-washed, Bible-believing, demon-fighting soldier of the cross. If you're a king's kid, if you're a child of God, you can take your stand upon the word of God. And when the family hits a financial problem, when the family hits a health problem, when the family is being assaulted by forces from within and without, you can take your stand and declare, if God be for us, who or what can be against us? This battle is not ours. It is the Lord. Let's stand still and see the salvation of our God. Greater is he that's within us than he that's within this world. Family, family, hear me in this. We have God's favor. We are God's children. Family, it's just going to get better. Uh, it might seem darkness right now, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. We serve a mighty God who will not and cannot fail us, and he continues to make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm going to be a thermostat in my home. I'm going to expect the best because we worship and serve the best. Hallelujah. I've read the end of the book. Uh, it doesn't end in a whimper. It ends in a roar. Our God reigns. We're on the winning side. Hallelujah. Give him praise and glory this morning. There it is. There it is. You set the temperature in the home, Dad. And Granddad, you have a part in this too. Be the one who causes your children to look up and see God upon the throne and declare everything's going to be all right. Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith and not by sight. Mark it down. Super dads are providers. Providers. I want you to notice who provided the lamb for every family. Not Moses. Especially not the government. That's the problem with our nation today. We expect the government to do everything for us. Sense of entitlement. Who provided the lamb for each family? The dads. The Passover fathers. Husband, father, you're called by God to be the provider in your family circle. You got Bible for that preacher? I sure do. 1 Timothy 5, 8. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than a what? An unbeliever. God reserves a mighty curse for the husband, the father that is not providing for his own. I understand there are mental or physical conditions that prohibits a man. I understand that. But when these are not the case, sir, that job goes to you. If your wife wants to work outside the home and you both agree upon that, that's okay. But she doesn't have to to provide for the family. My first pastorate, I made $120 a week. So my wife could spend the best years, the formative years with our children. I worked extra jobs. I was a pastor at the church, and I was also church janitor. 
That's why when, when I deal with our 30-plus employees, I know a little bit about what everybody does. I used to do roofing. I used to tar parking lots. I used to work in the Kresge Kmart warehouse. I hated it when the 50-pound kitty litter would come down the conveyor belt. I've been there. I've done that. I'd rather work extra jobs so my wife could focus on the children. That's me. That's my conviction. That's not a thus saith the Lord, but sir, you are called by God to provide. The greatest thing that you can provide? What's the greatest thing that you can provide, though? Above finances. Now, I did this on Mother's Day, and so... Uh, uh, we got a flip side of the story from Mother's Day. We'll do it here on Father's Day. A, a, a husband brought his wife to the doctor. A husband brought his wife to the, the doctor. He's, Doc, Doc, she don't eat. She can't sleep. She's wasting away. She's become anemic. I don't know what to do. Can you do something for her? Doctor performed a barrage of diagnostic testing sat the husband down and the wife down in his office and said, we cannot find anything wrong with your wife. I have determined that your wife just needs one thing. He said, the husband said, what's that one thing? The doctor got from behind his desk, ran over to where the wife was sitting, picked her up in his arms, Later on down, planted the biggest, best kiss that she had in years upon her. I mean, just laid a big one on her. Rose her raised her back up. She flushed. Color returned to her face. She, it seemed like that she had received an injection a, of tang that the astronauts drink. I mean, she was rejuvenated. Uh, it was like a, an amazing, instantaneous miracle. The doctor said, now, this is what she needs. Tender, loving, romantic care and affection. And the husband looked at the doctor and said, okay, I'll bring her in every Thursday. <laughs> Hubby, the best thing that you can ever, ever do for your children is to love their mother. Let me repeat that again for the heart of hearing. The best thing that you can ever do for your children or your grandchildren is love their mother, love their grandmother. As the case may be, this provides the greatest security for the children to know that the marital wholeness is intact. Yes, provide love. Our Heavenly Father is a provider, isn't He? In the Old Testament, we hear the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In the New Testament, we hear my God shall supply your every need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. Name any need that you have before Almighty God, and he's able to provide it. Hallelujah to our Lord. He is the master provider. Super dads are priests. Priests. Do you realize that before there were ever priests, dads operated as priests of their families by sacrificing the Passover lamb? What are priests? What are priests? Priests are go-betweens. They represent you to God and God to you. They are mediators. 
They understand. Since they're human, they understand our problems, our needs. And they reflect God's will and God's ways to us. Dads, like priests, you're especially called to be your family's mediator in prayer. Your family's go-between in prayer. You are called by God to be spiritual priests in your home in prayer. Read sometime Job chapter 1. Every day, Job prayed for his children. He said, perhaps they have sinned and I shall intercede for them before God. Dad, don't ever give up praying on your children. Your children might be 96 years of age. Keep praying for them. They need your prayers. And God especially, especially heeds the prayer of the priest of the home. It was 1970. It was my season of rebellion. 1970. I heard the music at school, and I heard the music on the school bus, and it got into my system. I'm talking about such sinful, sinful, sinful music. Music by the Beatles. Kind of music you, you listen to in the elevator as you go up in the hospital to the seventh floor today. But back then, it was cutting edge. And I'd wait for my parents to leave the house. You remember that big wooden console that used to be in our living rooms? That wooden console, think of it, it would house a, a, a stereo, it would house a record player, and in the center would be this humongous, uh, what, color TV. Oh, you had one too. And I'd wait for mom and dad to leave the house. And then uh, I'd crank up as loud as I could get. I'd turn the treble all the way up. I'd turn the bass all the way up. I'd turn the tone all the way up. I'd turned up the Beatles. Uh, we're going to have a revolution. And the house is rocking. And just so happened, Mom came home earlier than she should have. My saintly, holy ghost, Pentecostal, Christianized, sanctified, justified, glorified, mother of mothers, walks in. Oh my God! The demons of hell are in her house! And she's screaming as she walks in. What are you listening to? What are you doing? I said, this is my music. And I'm going to listen to it no matter what you say. Then she said those words that are the most foreboding words that any child could hear. We'll just wait until your father comes home. That night, Dad came home from a board meeting. Late, my dad was a pastor of 50 years. And he confronted me. I, at 15, I was already taller than him. And I stuck my bony chest out, my skinny bony chest. 
I was a quarter of the man that I am now. <laughs> Almost as tall. <laughs> Stuck it out. And he said, you're not going to bring that demon music into my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I looked him in the eye and I said, who do you think you are? God to tell me what's right or wrong? The moment those words left my mouth, God took a swing at me. And I duck and God missed. And then God said, you thought I was going to punch you, didn't you? And then he began sobbing. He began crying uncontrollably as he walked out of the room and I just stood there. And that night I went to sleep like no other night. I couldn't go to sleep because out of my parents' bedroom I heard wailing and crying out to God as my dad, the family priest, led him and my mother in prayer unto God for my soul. Beetle music, it's elevator music today. I don't look at it as any big deal, pretty much. That wasn't the issue. The issue was rebellion. And rebellion is witchcraft. Rebellion is satanic. It's worse than putting on a black hat, a black garb, and riding on a broom. For rebellion, the Bible says, is as the sin of witchcraft. It's satanic. Satan is the first of rebels. It's the first sin was committed in heaven. You're being satanic when you rebel against the righteous delegated authority that's in the home. That broke my heart. And I began weeping in bed as I heard dad and mom praying out to God. It changed my life. It was the pivotal, decisive moment, crossroads in my life. I preach to you here this morning because I'm propped up by the prayers of a praying dad who called me last night on the phone and he prayed over this service and over this sermon. He prays with me every Saturday night before I preach. Let's give God praise and glory for dads that know how to pray. Hallelujah. Write it down. Super dads are prophets. I'm going to move ahead here this morning. You have the scripture that you have Jesus praying for you in heaven. I've got that in your study guide this morning. He's our high priest. It's one thing to have an elder pray for you, a deacon pray for you. It's one thing to have your pastor pray for you. But think of it. Jesus is praying for you right now. He's our spiritual high priest. Super dads are prophets. Prophets. What does a prophet do? A prophet declares the word of the Lord in your life. A prophet declares God's word, God's will, and God's ways. A prophet will move into your life not predicting the future. Most of Israel's prophets spent most of their time saying, Thus saith the Lord. Here is the way, walk therein. A dad wanted to find out what his son would be in life. So he devised an idea. He put three objects on the bedroom dresser in his son's bedroom. He put a Bible. 
Because he thought if my son, when he sees the Bible, picks up the Bible and walks away with it, he's going to be a preacher. He's going to be a pastor. Hallelujah. Then he put a bottle of Jack Daniels there. He thought if my son takes that, that bottle, uh, he takes that object, he's going to end up being a boozer. A loser. Then he put a third object on the bedroom dresser. He, he put Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. If my son walks away with that magazine, I just know he's going to be a philanderer. He, he's going to run around with loose women. He hid in the closet. He waited to see what his son would focus in on, pick up and carry away. The son came in, saw the three objects, picked up the Bible and put it under his arm. Dad thought, praise God. But then the son picked up the bottle of Jack Daniels and took one long swig of it. The dad's getting nervous. And then the son then picked up the Sports Illustrated and was gazing at the pictures and walked away gazing at the pictures. And the dad cried out in the closet, Oh my God, he's going to be a congressman. What are you declaring in your homes? Imagine, imagine as the dads were painting the blood upon the doorways of every home. I can imagine the children and even the wives saying, Why are you doing that? That's so gross. And the dad's turning around and saying, I'm doing it because God said so. This is God's word and his will. When dads declare God's word on a matter, when dads apply God's promises, God's directives, God's will on a matter, they are operating and exercising the prophetic. They're acting as prophets in their home. Noah, Noah, saved his entire family from destruction because he heard from God and then communicated that word to his children and his family. What can we say about God's word? Ephesians 6.17 When the Holy Spirit goes to battle, he takes the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The word of God. This is not the written word. This is the spoken word. That means, Dad, you need to read the Bible. You need to study the Bible. You need to come to classes here at Lakeside. You need to be under preaching and teaching. You need to meditate on God's Word. You need to memorize God's Word. And you need not only to believe and receive God's Word, you need to release God's Word in your home to discover blessing, favor, and victory. Sir, your family is going to be saved depending on what you hear from God. I want to remind you, your family, your family, your family, your children will not be saved by what they hear playing a video game. No matter how good they are, your family will not be saved by the principals in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. Your family won't be saved by what they learn at math camp. They won't be saved by watching Scooby-Doo on TV. 
The first and foremost responsibility of speaking God's word into their lives is not my responsibility or your wife's. It's yours, sir. You've got the job. You've got the responsibility. God has called you to be a prophet. God gave you this assignment. It's called leadership. It's called being a prophet. And one day, on auditing day, you will give a report on how things went. Super dads are protectors. Who were the protectors who stood between the devil and death? Who were the protectors at that first Passover who stood in the gap between the devil and the death of the firstborn? Who? Oh, my. I have to keep you here another hour. You're not listening to me. Who stood between the devil and death at that first Passover? Who? The dads, the fathers. Thank you. Thank you. Think of that. What an awesome responsibility. That night, sometime between midnight and dawn, the ravenous destroyer moved in. And wherever God, God did not see the blood, he would not pass over but allowed the destroyer to move in. Every Egyptian household had the death of the firstborn. The wail was so mighty and great that Pharaoh at that hour, because death struck uh, from the prisoner in the prison all the way to the Pharaoh in the palace, the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh said, get out of the country and leave now. God wrought victory because dad protected with the blood. Listen, gentlemen, there's more to this protecting service than in a high-tech security system, doors and locks of your home. Prime gateways for Satan, the destroyer in your home, are televisions, computers, iPads, and cell phones in your home. On those devices, your children can watch endless hours of satanic indoctrination. They can watch endless hours of violence and murder, rebellion, sexual immorality, and perversion while dad snoozes in the recliner. Sir, one of the greatest leadership moves that you could ever do in your home is finally, finally, finally collect those devices and turn them off. And say, hello, kids. I'm dad, and this is mom. And we're taking over this house for the glory of God. There it is. It's leadership. It's being a protector. The psalmist, or the, 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 the uh, Solomon writes in Proverbs 13, if you refuse to discipline your son, it proves you don't love him. For if you love him, you'll be prompt to punish him. Proverbs 23, don't fail to correct your children. Discipline won't hurt them. Punishment will keep them out of hell. Well, Pastor, um, we are modern parents. We do not spank our children. Oh, shudder the thought. We give them time out. Well, if it works, praise God. If it's formative, if it's negative reinforcement that uh, allows for behavior modification for the glory of God, hallelujah, I'm with you in it. I wish my dad had used uh, time out. 
I'm sure Frank DiTomaso wishes his dad would have used time out. Frank told me the other day, I hope I don't get in trouble with this, he told me last week, he said he woke up one morning, he was chained to his bed because he had been so bad. One time he was chained to the furnace. <laughs> I mean, last week I heard all kinds of stories. I heard about a wife, a mother, that finally the, the, the cops had brought home their son for the umpteenth time. She took a baseball bat to him. Those were the old days. Okay? Uh, of course, that's not right to do today. I'm not advocating that. I hope the video uh, live stream is picking that up right now. I am not advocating that. I'm talking about the past. I told my dad, I said, I'll go to church if you give me a red truck. He looked at me and said, if you don't go to church, I'll give you a red rear. I mean, <laughs> my parents didn't practice uh, time out. Uh, but, you know, work what works. That's what I say. The scripture's principle is discipline, punishment. Don't look the other way. I had one dad tell me, but... <laughs> Pastor, every time I punish my little Johnny, I start crying. I said, go home, punish him, and cry. Better to cry now than cry when he goes to jail. B -b -b Pastor, we, we, we can't discipline Susie and Johnny. Uh, uh, we can't get him to do one thing around the house. Uh, it's impossible. I looked at him. I said, no, no, no. I've been to SeaWorld. I've watched dolphins play basketball. You can teach your kids how to clean their bedroom, clean their bathroom, dump the trash, and, and do the dishes. Can I hear praise and glory to God here this morning? Now, discipline without love, all joking aside, discipline without love is abuse. Kids, kids. Kids and grandkids, they respond to relationship, not rules and regulations. Leadership is not being a control freak. Real leadership discerns the personalities of each child. Each one needs to be raised differently, dealt with differently. Train up a child in the way that they should go. Understand, discern their personality bent Apply God's word and they will not depart from that. Scripture is clear in that. Many of you are new here to our Lakeside family and you don't know my testimony. We joked about the Beatles. One of the Beatles songs was Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Nonsensical words to the parents. But all us kids knew what they were singing about. L-S-D. Sure. Drugs. When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I had a real bad, bad, horrendous drug problem. And many of you are not aware of that.
My parents drugged me to God's house. They drugged me to Sunday school. They drugged me to youth ministry. They drugged me to Bible camp. They drugged me to the teaching of God's word, the preaching of God's word. They drugged me to an old-fashioned Pentecostal altar where the baptism of the Holy Spirit took place. They drugged me to an altar of prayer where God called me into the ministry. They drugged me any place and any time the church doors were open and I could come under, I could come under the presence of an almighty God. I'm here today because of that drug problem. Get those drug problems in your kids' veins and they will not depart from the work and the word of the Lord. Those are good drug problems to have. Can I hear an amen here this morning? <laughs> Lastly, super dads are passionate persuaders. Passover dads became living examples. I want you to think about that. What did the Passover lamb foreshadow? Or should I say, who did the Passover lamb look forward to prophetically? The Passover lamb foreshadowed who that would come? Jesus. The Passover lamb was sacrificed for a family. But as John the Baptist said, in John chapter 3, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God. So if the Passover Lamb represented Jesus, who did the dads represent who gave the Lamb and sacrificed the Lamb? Who did the dads represent before their families God the Father God the Father in the teachings of Islam in the teachings of Islam there are 99 descriptions of Allah and not one of those descriptions ever describe Allah as father yet the core the core revelation of who our God is in the Bible is this our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name our heavenly father cares for us he provides for us he protects us and most of all he desperately loves us Ask me, how much does our Father love you? Since you've asked, I will answer. Realize this, that your Father knows the worst about you. He knows the worst thing that you've ever thought, the worst thing that you've ever said, the worst thing that you've ever, ever done. He knows all about it, yet He loves you. He desperately loves you. How much does he love you? Romans chapter 8 verse 5. But God demonstrates his own love for us because talk is cheap. God not only said it, he showed it while we were yet sinners. Jesus died for us. There it is. Dad, do you really love your wife? Do you really love your children? Do you say it? Do you show it? That's being passionate 
as a father. That's allowing Jesus to be Jesus in you. How did I fall in love with Jesus? I fell in love with my dad. And in falling in love with my dad, I naturally fell in love with what my dad was in love with. I don't remember my dad ever holding a class on how to be a financial manager. I don't ever remember my dad holding a seminar in the home for me to be a good husband, teaching me how to be a good father, teaching me how to be a good pastor. He, he, he never taught me a class on how to have, be a man of integrity. My dad never taught me any of those things. He showed me. He showed me. He showed me. He was a living example. A loving example that I fell in love with and I wanted to be just like him. My dad is my greatest hero. Dad, I hope you're watching right now. That's dad business. That's being a passionate persuader. My favorite Father's Day story is the dad that went to the hospital with a heavy, heavy heart. He was a pastor who knew the way to the hospital so well like myself. But it wasn't because a parishioner was dying. His little boy, his little Johnny, was dying of incurable cancer. And it was going to be his last visit. And as he looked down into that pale face, as he looked down into his boy's little life, he said, Johnny, Johnny, are you afraid to be with Jesus? Are you afraid to see Jesus? And little Johnny looked up with sparkling eyes as the tears coursed down his cheeks. Oh, no, Dad, because I know that he'll be just like you. Dad, Will you be the spiritual pace setter? Will you be the prophet, the priest, the protector, the provider? Will you be provisionary? Dad, I ask you this morning, as Cindy's on the keyboard this morning, I ask you the question of all questions. Will you be, will you be a passionate persuader? Don't just tell them. Show them the love of God in Christ Jesus. Would every dad please stand with me right now? Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Dad, we threw socks out to you. But I have another special gift that I want to give you this morning. I'm going to display this gift to you on our screens up here. As you see it on the screens, and the service is not over, because I want to speak blessing. I want to confess divine favor 
upon your life, upon your office as a father. As we play this special video, I'd like you to leave your pew and join me down here at the front. Stand here and watch this special gift for you. Let's play that right now.
I asked as every head is bowed every eye is closed I asked for every father every dad to come and I recognize this morning that perhaps you're not where you should be spiritually in your walk with God and I'm going to pray this morning that God will not only bless your home and bless your life, but that you'll open the door to your heart to let God work through you and for you as never before. Father, as pastor, I stretch my hand of blessing as the man of God, as the pastor of this church, the shepherd of this congregation, and I stretch it towards the men the fathers, the dads of this church. Lord, I speak upon them your great grace, which is greater than all of our sins. Lord, if they're not where they should be in relation to you, Spirit of God, even today, do a new work, a fresh work, I pray, Lord, that they will humble themselves and open up their heart as never before to you, Jesus, so that their family will see Jesus being Jesus in them. Now, God, I speak the blessing, the favor of our God who will not and cannot fail us upon these men, Lord, these dads, these fathers, Use them as instruments of blessing. Use them as, Lord, vessels of praise, honor and glory. Lord, as you bless in them and through them, let it, oh God, be life-changing to their marriages, their families, their children and grandchildren. Now, God, I pray that the grace of the Father and the love of the Son, Christ Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be upon one and all. In the name of Jesus, amen. Lakeside congregation, before you start hugging one another, let me just say this. The walls of our new expansion are going up, but the real walls of this church are not brick and block. I'm looking at the walls of Lakeside Assembly of God. They are walls of protection that stand before the devil and death. They are protectors, 
providers. They are prophets and priests. They are in a holy office. Honor it. Cherish it. Thank the Lord for it. Pray for it. And watch what God will do. Lakeside husbands and fathers, would you face in the opposite direction right now and everyone honor them once again? Would you honor them once again? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wife, children, give them the biggest hug that they've ever received. And everybody have a happy, happy Father's Day. We love you with the love of the Lord. Go with God this morning.